Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Hey there, Penn State football fans. Blue White Breakdown time. Johnny McGonigal, Bob Flounders. This is this is easily one of my favorite weeks of the year, Johnny, for so many reasons. Penn State's football practices are going to kick off on Tuesday at noon with the James Franklin Presser. In addition, NCAA tournament. Penn State men's basketball in the NCAA tournament. St. Patrick's Day on a Friday. Johnny, I'm, I'm going to take a stab at this, a wild guess. You are a big fan of the St. Patrick's Day celebration. It may have something to do with your last name. I don't know why I think that, but uh, I think I have to think this is a pretty fun weekend for you every year, too. Yeah, Bob, you might be on to something there. Uh, yeah, the last name McGonigal. Uh, it's uh, yeah, we, we enjoy St. Patrick's Day. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a really exciting week, uh, obviously, with that. And then, like you mentioned, the, the NCAA tournament, the first week of the NCAA tournament, that first Thursday is like one of my favorite days of the year every year watching as much you know basketball as your eyes can possibly take. Uh, and now that Penn State is in it, though, let's touch on this for just a moment. Just like, a hell of a team, hell of a run through the Big Ten tournament. They, they came back, barnstorming came back against Purdue and, and damn near pulled, pulled the thing off. And um, just Micah Shrewsbury's done an incredible job with this team. Jalen Pickett and his booty ball, uh, as uh, Brad Underwood <laughs> from Illinois uh, called it. You know, guys like Cam Winter, Miles Dredd, like older guys who have you know seen a lot. And yeah, it's just really cool for this team. And, you know, look, they're a, they're a 10 seed. Um, you know, there was, there was a time, you know, even just a couple weeks ago where it was like, all right, this team's on the bubble. Are they going to get in? They don't even have to go to Dayton. One, they have to go to Des Moines. So like Penn state fans from Philly, Pittsburgh, like that's a, that's a tough travel. Also you have to play Texas A&M, a seven seed, which like, I don't know if, if you watch them at all this year, but they should not be a seven seed. Like they really should be like a five or six. I really think the committee just wanted to set up that potential Texas, Texas A&M second round. And that's why they gave him a seven. But yeah, so Penn State could have got a better location, could have got a better opponent. And it's going to be a tough one. But still, I mean, just to see them, I believe they play Thursday night at 955 on TNT. It's going to be great. Um, or TBS, I forget. But yeah, just a, it's just a really cool run. And uh, and just another you know wrinkle to this week. Uh, a very exciting week that uh, coming up here on Tuesday, we'll be talking to James Franklin. We'll be at, you know, at practice for... Penn State's first spring practice of camp, and uh, and then you know soon enough we're gonna have the blue white game and and all that um, all that follows after that. Two things that always get me thinking about spring right are, are are this this week with the start of the NCAA tournament, St. Patty's Day. But the trigger for me is always when we set the clocks again. To me, that means get out of here, winter. It's it's gonna get start. It's getting lighter earlier. Probably staying lighter later. I think that's how that works. I can never quite figure it out. But whenever we have to do that. I, in my mind, we are we are looking spring dead in the eye, even though it doesn't feel like it yet. Yeah, there's there's flurries outside my window right now. It definitely does not feel like spring. It's raining outside and it's threatening to turn to sleet. So I am not buying it. I'm like, this is winter holding on for dear life. 
I've turned the page on winter. I'm thinking it's spring. I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm looking forward to Tuesday. With an eye towards that, we have a lot to talk to about, about Penn State football today. I just wanted to say one thing. I'm starting to get this feeling that Abdul Carter is not messing around in the sport of football. I don't know if you had a time to, to catch that over the weekend where Penn State was on spring break. And he posted something, I think it was on Twitter, of him lifting weights on sp- during spring break. I, he's just a guy. James talked about it last year when he was a true freshman, Johnny, that, you know, this guy has been committed to football for a long time. I know you did a long story on him and, and, and dealt with this as well. But, you know, training and discipline and dedication, and it, it, it's, it's a huge part of his life. And it's really accelerated his development. I was up for the weightlifting strength and conditioning thing that uh, they have at the end uh, with Chuck Losey. And to see that guy who's, list, who's a sophomore listed at 6'3", 249 right now, just basically touching 250 as a linebacker, and just to see how big he is, and with that kind of dedication and intensity, I'm just, I, I just, I know that's a great class, the 2022 class. We haven't really seen Drew Aller yet. But I, I think that I'm just going to be all in, locked in on this Abdul Carter guy because I, you could tell he wants it really bad, and I, and he's wearing number eleven. He flashed early, and I, and and I just think he's going to get better and better. And I'm le- really looking forward to him playing this fall. Yeah, no, I mean Abdul Carter is he's one of those the, the jewels of that 2022 recruiting class. And uh, you know, we each uh, did a, you know a story over the weekend. I did defense, you did offense on the on the storylines going into. Uh, spring camp. And one of my storylines was what's next for this 2022 uh, recruiting class. And that can go on both sides of the ball. Obviously on offense, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Drew Aller, Drew Shelton. On the defensive side of the ball, like you have this guy in Abdul Carter who, like you mentioned, is just, he's, he's an athletic freak. You know, at that size, to be able to move that way to side to side, you know, sideline to sideline, that speed is just like, you know, it just hits you. I mean, like, I, I'm glad it doesn't physically hit me because I, I would not hold up well. I don't think anyone really would, but he's just so talented. And like, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he not only physically grows, but mentally grows and progresses um, this spring and, and into the summer. And, and, you know, talk to teammates and see how it's going talk to coaches if we get the opportunity um, into his sophomore season, because he is primed to be one of the best uh, linebackers in the country, like coming back. So you have a guy like him, deny Dennis Sutton up front at defensive end. Heard a lot about Kevin Winston at safety, uh, Cam Miller at corner. So like, there, there's a lot of the Zane Duran at defensive tackle. I mean, might end up being a starter as a sophomore. Um, so you've got you're going to be getting all these contributions from that 2022 recruiting class, and uh, I think you'd hope that you get similar contributions from the 23 class. We could be sitting here next year. Uh, talking about how Tony Rojas uh, is hitting the gym and looking good and, you know, ready for a, a breakout, uh, breakthrough uh, sophomore season. So, yeah, it's just they, they've got a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Yeah, a couple more notes just on the linebacker group and Abdul Carter. I wanted to get your reaction. So I'm glad you mentioned uh, Tony Rojas, who I never know what to think of of what they are listed at when they enroll in January weight-wise. I think I saw 199 on them. I, don't hold me to it. I, I th- it was right around 200 pounds. But the, when they updated their weights recently, he's up to 214, which is what you want to see if, if they're going to be able to find a role for him maybe in the defense. I'm not talking about special teams this, this year because he, it's, it's real hard to play linebacker when you're only 202 or whatever it is. But – Beyond him, uh, Kobe King, I saw him 
uh, up at the up at the strength and conditioning. They list him at 251 now. So you got you got Carter at 249. You have Kobe King, who I thought played very well during the second half of the season at 251. And even Curtis Jacobs, I, I looked up his listed weight at the end of last season. It was 227. You and I have talked about, hey, when he decided to come back, was was it in his mind that maybe at 227, is is that his optimum weight if he wants to play in the NFL? Um, he's talented enough to probably play at 220 if he wanted to be. But he's. I think they listed him now at 235. I don't know if he's going to be able to hold that, but you have all three talented linebackers. I'm not. I'm. I'm not forgetting about Tyler Elsden, but those guys all look bigger and stronger. In the back of my mind, I, I can guarantee you, Johnny, that that defense has not forgotten what Michigan did to them in Ann Arbor when they just mauled them physically. Um, they couldn't get off the field. James Franklin made the Aaron Donald comment, I think, referring to his defensive line. A real nod at the fact that they just have to get bigger to play in these games against these kinds of teams. Uh, I, I just really, I, you know, I just wonder if they really haven't forgotten about that. And they look, they look amazing. And, and as far as Abdul Carter goes, I'm just wondering. I'm going to ask Manny Diaz at some point if he's going to be playing at 250. It's not a big leap for to see him getting some defensive end reps as a pass rusher at that size. I mean, he looks like the, he has the athleticism to do what Micah Parsons did eventually at Penn State and then is now doing as a defensive end for Dallas. I'm just wondering when you see somebody move that fast and now he's up to almost 250, if you're going you're, you're to see this hybrid defense even become even more hybrid-y, if that's a, if that's a word, with Manny Diaz if, if, if Carter can play at 250. Yeah, I mean, Manny Diaz will take all the pieces he can get. I mean, with how he, you know, looking back on last year, the way he used Jair Brown uh, in the defense, he's not afraid about, you know, taking someone out of their normal position, putting him in maybe a a kind of an uncomfortable zone or, you know, hey, get used to something new. Um, Because it's not only uncomfortable for the player, but I'm sure it's uncomfortable for the offense to have to, you know, figure out where they are on the field. And Abdul is one of those players where uh, obviously earlier in the season, it was obvious that, you know, hey, we just got to get this guy on the field any way we can. Uh, now it's it's it could get to a point where it's like let's use this guy as as much as we can and as you know different exotic looks. And I'm sure Manny will have a lot of fun scheming that up. You mentioned the size and and you know the linebackers adding weight and that Michigan game specifically. And I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the defensive tackles um, because I really think that plays a big factor um, in that game. It, it played a big factor, but you know it's one of the biggest storylines going into the spring now. Uh, you don't have PJ Mustafer, you know, 318 pound run stuffer in the middle, uh, all Big Ten player and captain. You don't have him anymore. Uh, what you do have is Hakeem Beeman, you know, started 12 games for you last year next to Mustafer, <clears throat> but, you know, he's 256 pounds. Um, you know, Devon Ellie's 302, Kazai Izzard 291, Zane Durant 275. Like, is, is that the size you want? And um, I, I think it's going to be you know, a big spring for some of these guys to, to prove like, Hey, not only can I re- help replace PJ Mustafer, but I can provide what uh, James Franklin and the new D line coach, whoever that is, uh, <laughs> is <laughs> can I provide what they need? Or is Pence going to have to go into the portal and try and find uh defensive tackle help when it opens in May. And so I, you know, you're not, if you're a Hakeem Beeman, you're not going to put on, you know, 70 pounds and all of a sudden be, you know, the, the best run stuffer in the big 10, um, that's just not his role. That's not his style. Uh, that's not his body type. But, you know, these guys as a unit, uh, as a group, I'm, I'm sure that Michigan game is in the back of their minds. And uh, and without P.J. Mustafer, it's going to be interesting to see who steps up from a leadership standpoint in that group. 
uh, and then ultimately who who emerges as the starters. And we might not, we're probably not going to get the, those you know answers solidified, cemented after spring ball, but we'll get an early look. Yeah, I think I think the point you make about the the overall size of the defensive tackles not that not necessarily the athleticism or the talent, but the size is probably something that I, I think that deep down I'm sure James and Manny might be a little concerned about. They can still get a little bit bigger, I think, between now and the start of the season. But you're right. There's I mean, a lot of these guys are now veteran players, except for Zane Durant. And there's no, I mean, they can only, I think they can only put on so much weight and hold it uh, effectively. So I think that, I think that is a concern. When I think about this defense and I think about some of the defenses that I think James Franklin has had at Penn state, the 2019 defense was a very good defense. And it's easy to say that when Micah is is playing at linebacker and eat gross Matos, is, is you know is is coming off the edge and and it, it's real easy to say that but in terms of ath- in terms of athleticism and depth I don't know I I really feel like this defense and this is losing Jair Brown right and losing PJ Mustafer and losing Joey Porter Jr. I still really like as in terms of overall talent I don't know that if they're all healthy in, in September I don't know that this won't be this most talented defense and that's with those defections because just because of what they have the young the young players they have and the way that they've recruited I think this defense has a chance to be their best defense but that will probably be the big issue is you know when when Michigan comes to calling uh you know and the running game comes to calling I'm sure they'll be tired of hearing about it by the time it approaches at Beaver Stadium but that is going to be the issue are, are they big enough in the middle against that run game but I I just really think Almost all of the pieces are in place with a coordinator um, like Manny Diaz and with assistants like Terry Smith and, and Poindexter. The next defensive line coach is, is going to be a key ad. And maybe that's could be part of the re- James wants to get it right. Obviously, he's not. He knows. I think he knows what he has. But I think it's going to be a great, a great group to watch this spring. And I'm anxious to see what happens between now and the opener, because I, I do really like this defense. And I just like the talent level. There's going to be, I think, a lot of players in a couple of years on this defense that play in the NFL. Yeah, and, and you can stick with the secondary. You talked about Jair Brown and Joey Porter Jr. I mean, yeah, you lose JPJ, a, a surefire, bona fide first-round pick, and yet you're pretty secure with what you have at corner. I mean, Kalen King is going to be a preseason All-American. Um, if he isn't, then there's something wrong there because – you know, he was second in the FBS with 18 pass breakups last year. All the attention that shifted from Joey Porter Jr. to the other side of the field went to Kalen King, and you couldn't have asked him to stand up any better than he did. Uh, Storm Duck, an all-ACC guy last year, transferring from North Carolina. Johnny Dixon had a quiet 10 pass breakups last year, really productive player. Uh, and then you know, still have Daquan Hardy uh, manning the slot, and then I mentioned Cam Miller. And so there's a lot of talent at corner, and then at safety, I mentioned Winston earlier, but – You've got Zaki Wheatley, Jalen Reed, you know, two guys that both, you know, we both really like, Keaton Ellis, a veteran, uh, coming back for one more go. I think you're, if you're Anthony Poindexter and Terry Smith, you're pretty confident with what you've got uh, in your position room. Uh, linebacker, you know, we talked about Abdul and Curtis Jacobs and Kobe and uh, Tyler uh, Elston. You know, maybe a guy like Keon Wiley ends up stepping up and playing, you know, a rotational role as a sophomore, uh, an outside linebacker. Maybe that's Tony Rojas, but – and then at edge, like you talk about the talent, Chop <laughs> Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Denai Dennis Sutton, you know, I mean Vanover. It's going to be tough for Zariah Fisher and you know, uh, and those guys to get snaps, but it's a good problem to have. 
it's a really good problem to have. So I think the one real question going into spring, and it's going to persist until they basically play Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, like you know, it's gonna it's gonna be until when do they play? October, November? Yeah, I think November this year. I think it's it the, the question's going to persist about the you know fitting their gaps and are they big enough and all that. But man, they have the talent. They really do have the talent to be one of the best defenses in the country again uh, this season and be you know the backbone of what could be a college football playoff team. Yeah, agreed. And I just want to give a quick shout out. Let's not sleep on that that Dom DeLuca character either at linebacker, a guy that I, I know. I mean, there's they're so deep at linebacker. It's almost easy to overlook the fact that the guy got a got put on scholarship and deservedly so. I know he doesn't get to play a lot of snaps at linebacker, but I swear he made the most of almost all of his snaps. He's a disruptive player, can find the ball, and to put him on scholarship, and he's a he's a young player. Usually you see that later in their careers. That, that's I think that's a really good sign and a really good indicator of just how far he's advanced and how comfortable they feel about him on special teams and on the defense. I think I think Manny talked him up pretty good, I think, uh, in December before the Rose Bowl. His contributions, his attitude, his work ethic. So I'll be interested to see how he does uh, in this system. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Let's flip it over to the offense. I mean, I, I want to talk about the offensive line, but I feel like I feel I think we would need to give the people what they want. Let's talk about Drew Aller at the start what we think might happen with him and, and Bo Prabula. I know we talked about them last week, but saw some videos of Drew, I think, putting in some work. I don't know when they were taken. I don't know if it was during spring break or not, but the arm strength is, is it's just eye-catching for me to watch him throw the ball. And, uh, I, and I know that he's still got a lot of other things to kind of learn the nuances of the game in terms of what to do with the line of scrimmage, getting them in the right play. All that stuff is is part of it for a young quarterback. But when he gets the chance to just drop back Johnny and throw the ball, there's not too many guys at Penn State who, who have thrown the ball the way he has. No, and at, at different angles. I mean, we saw that at Indiana uh, last season, the the little on the run. I mean, just some of the throws that he's able to make, and you, you see it on film, you see a video, all that, and you just picture, okay, is he – not is he going to be able to do it because he's going to be able to do it physically, but how is that going to look against West Virginia? Come September, how is that going to look against Michigan, against Ohio State? Who's going to be getting open for him? Because I, I think, you know, as a sophomore, really, I mean, he, he played in ten games last year, and we talked about the kind of reps that he had—about 150 reps—and you know, stepping into big moments in, in Purdue, and you know, leading a, a field goal drive at Auburn late in the game, and all that kind of good stuff. But a lot of what you know, his, his success kind of does hinge on the guys around him and and what wide receivers are going to step up you know is is, is his rapport going to click immediately when Dante Cephas uh enrolls after spring camp um is he going to click with Malik McLean or Nikandre Lambert Smith and Harrison Wallace during spring camp and so much of that is going to factor into what kind of season Drew Aller has assuming he is the starter assuming he is the guy because we talked about Bo Perbola and how how important this spring camp is for him too. just getting those reps and uh, securing himself as the, as at the very least the backup quarterback of this team uh, and the first guy that would be called on if something happened to drew. But yeah, it's a big spring for both of those guys. I think for different reasons, 
but with Drew specifically is, you know, getting, getting the little intricacies down, you know, get, you know, stepping into your role a l- little bit more and, you know, asserting himself and being more vocal. Uh, you talk to teammates, you know, current and former. And that was one thing that they said that as the season went on, they could tell that he was getting more, you know, kind of used to command, you know, used to communicating and being that vocal leader. Um, so I think you're going to see that uh, continue to progress in this spring and, uh, it's going to be important for his development. Just as, as much as throwing a 50-yard bomb uh, to Keandre Lambert-Smith is going to be important uh, to him. It's also the the other stuff, too, that you mentioned. Johnny, let's stay at wide out. Two sneaky weight redistributions for me when I looked at the roster, and I wanted to get your thoughts on them. I know we talked about it a bunch for different reasons. Caden Saunders dropping five pounds. I think he's gone from 177 to 172. I know it's five pounds. I think that's right. But also, even sneakier in my mind, is Omari Evans going from, I believe, 182 to 189. It's seven pounds. You can say, uh, that's two big meals. But, you know, he, he's a guy that's a speedster that you looked at him last year. You could see the speed, but you wondered if maybe he could gain some weight, right? And, and I think, you know, he's only a second-year player. So if he can be in the, in the low 190s at almost six feet to start the year, I think that will help him uh, as a receiver because I think he did need to get bigger. And I think that I think everyone would agree that Caden Saunders best weight is probably closer to 170, one, whatever is 175 if it's good weight. And it looks like he has really he's really taken that seriously. Those are two two that stuck out to me in the wideout group in terms of maybe guys that physically might look a little different and play a little different this year. Yeah, Caden's a big one there. I think, you know, him dropping, uh, you know, a few pounds and uh, everything is relative when it comes to that. But for him, uh, who came in this time last year, you know, when he enrolled early uh, and, uh, you know, talked to us uh, at that freshman media availability last month about, you know, his body composition was all out of whack. He was enjoying himself a little, maybe too much at the end of his uh, high school time. And, you know, he just came in and he didn't feel like his body was right and he wasn't in the, in the best shape of his life. Um, and he struggled with that and that put him behind the eight ball and it it hurt his, uh, his push for playing time. And so, you know, getting, getting that body right. And he feels like he's in a good spot now. Um, and going into the spring camp, I think he has a real opportunity, uh, to separate himself from a group of wide receivers that came in together in the 22 recruiting class. You know, there's five guys in that class that, yeah, Omari Evans caught a touchdown from Drew Aller in the Ohio game, but like, you know, Caden played in a few games, but the, they, they, there wasn't a lot of contributions from that group. When you ha- when you have uh, Parker Washington leaving, when you don't have Mitchell Tinsley back, yeah, you have Keandre and Harrison, and we talked about those two guys, and Cephas coming in uh, ahead of the summer, and uh, Malik McLean coming in from Florida State. It just seems like there are just a bunch of question marks, though, at that receiver spot, and there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of playing time to be had. Like, if you told me that Caden Saunders is going to be a starter for this team, uh, week one against West Virginia, I wouldn't be surprised. That opportunity is on the table for him and really for every receiver in that room. It's just up to them to go take it. Uh, so it's encouraging to see him, you know, to, to see what he said about how he feels, uh, you know, in terms of uh, his weight and, and his mental and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, to see that actually on paper, I think is uh, it, it is important. Yeah. And Chuck Losey backed that up. He was asked specifically about Caden Saunders by one of the PSU beat guys and you know, I think I, I think that Chuck is a straight shooter, and I think that if usually when you hear something like, "Well, he's still not where he wants to be," or he's got a still got a ways to go, those are like ways of phrasing that that maybe the kid still. But he didn't say that about Caden Saunders. He said he was proud of him. He said 
you know, night, almost night and day what he's been able to do since he got here. And he's, he's really reshaped his body. Another good sign when the, when the strength coach is on your side, it's, it's a sign that you've really bought in and, and you're ready to really make an impact. It's the blue-white breakdown, Johnny McGonigal, Bob Flounders. The uh, availability is noon Tuesday with James Franklin. Then we'll get to see some practice. I promise we're going to talk about the offensive line. We're getting a little bit late, but I have to ask you, Johnny. So Nick Singleton played at 219 last year and was a force. And as the year got on, he became much better uh, running through contact, much like his guy Katron Allen did all year. I think that Katron is one of the best in the country at pushing the pile and, and finding and getting tough yards when it doesn't look like there's any to be had. I thought as the, as the season went on, Singleton got better at that. Um, we know what he can do in the open. We saw it in the Rose Bowl. Heck, we saw it in week two against Ohio. They list him now at 228. Hey, if he's at 225 or better, you know, come September, I think you're going to see him really, really evolve as a complete back in his second year. He's already a thousand yard rusher. But the thought of him adding 10 pounds when he was already a horse speaks to what he's his durability and his conditioning and his his work in the weight room. But, man, that's a big running back. And we're I think physically uh, correct me if I'm wrong. We're we're basically if he's going to play at that weight. Are we not talking about a Saquon Barkley clone at this point? I think we are. I mean, you know, last year, Nick Singleton, is he had 4.6 yards after contact per attempt. It ranks second in the Power Five. I wouldn't be surprised if he ranks first in, in the entire country uh, next season. You know, if he's adding some weight, adding some good weight and improving on what is already a pretty pretty damn good frame and, and you know, motor and everything you kind of want in a running back, I mean, he just had he had an incredible year. He really did, and uh, I, I I do feel like we, maybe not we, but you know, in general, Katron Allen gets a little overlooked uh, in some of the season that he had because there were a few games in there where you know Nick Singleton, you know, just it, it didn't feel like it was kind of his game or his you know it, it didn't necessarily fit his style. Whereas Katron would come in and just grind out yards, and he would just you know get hit and barrel over for three more yards, or he showed that patience in the backfield to kind of pick his spot and go. I think he's a really good back. I really do. And we talked before about how, you know, pro football focus going into this season ranked uh, the top 10 players at each position in the country. And Nick Singleton made that list. But, and I noticed at the time that Michigan had two guys at running back would not be surprised if this time next year, if Penn State is two guys on at running back on that list, because, you know, Katron Allen is, is a damn good back too. And so, uh, it's going to be, I'm sure it's fun. I'm sure it's fun being Olu Fashanu, being, you know, Sal Wormley and those guys up front, being able to block for running backs like that. Because, you know, in Nick's case, really, you only need to hold your block for a second or two and, and he's gone. Um, whereas, you know, with, with Katron, it's like, you know, that you have someone who's so decisive, you know, patient, but decisive um, after the fact. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm only expecting big things from those two guys. And as long as they stay healthy, for them, obviously, knock on wood, but uh, and, and really for the running back room as a whole, because beyond those two guys, I don't. There's not that veteran. There's not that Kevon Lee, or um, you know, there's there's not that Devin Ford there waiting in the wings to help out uh, because you, you they went out and signed Cameron Wallace and London Montgomery, two guys in the 23 class, and you have Tank Smith, you know, a walk on. But yeah, you, if you're Penn State, you definitely need those two to stay healthy. All right, John, we're going to give ourselves a couple more minutes because I want to get to this. I'm going to bring up three things regarding Penn State's offensive line. And you talk about him any way you want him as far as maybe priorities or importance. Um, Hunter Norzad moving to center. 
to replace Juice Scruggs, who had a great year last year. Maybe I, I can I would make the argument that Juice Scruggs, what he did on an offensive line that was pretty beat up, his value to the team, one of the most overlooked players on the team, not not on purpose, but there were so many great storylines, it was easy to forget. Uh, what his value was to the team as a captain. So replace, Hunter Norzad expected to be the guy at center. So that's one thing. The health of Olu and Landon Tengwall on the left side uh, would be the other. And then the competition at, at right tackle, I would say, uh, between Caden Wallace and Drew, uh, Drew Shelton, based on the way Drew played left tackle last year as a true freshman. Those three things kind of jump out to me. When you look at maybe those three talking points, where where would you start, and and what what has kind of caught your eye on the offensive line? Feels weird not to start with the guy who could have been a first round pick, uh, but I'm going to start on the other side of the line at right tackle because that's a true battle. That's a true competition that's going to be happening between Caden Wallace and Drew Shelton. We saw what Drew Shelton could do at left tackle when he filled in for Olu uh, when he got hurt at the end of that Ohio State game. Really unfortunate, too, because I think it might have been on the last drive of the game. Yeah, it was definitely late. But the way that Drew was able to step in, and initially they're thinking like, okay, are we going to have to burn his red shirt or not? And ultimately he gave the green light, and it was uh, it was a good thing, I think, for all parties involved because he played really well, given given you know, being thrown into the fire, essentially, as, as a true freshman at left tackle. Now can he do the same at right tackle? And, you know, is Caden Wallace, who missed some games last year, missed some time. Like, you know, he's, he's a veteran. He started, I think, like 26 or 27 games for this team already. Is he going to be the guy at right tackle? And, you know, that's, that's going to be an interesting balance. Like, that's going to be an interesting decision for Phil Troutline to eventually make. And it might not come until training camp. We've talked about this before. We don't necessarily expect a decision uh, at that right tackle spot. You know, James is going to use the classic. We feel like we have three starters at tackle. You know, it's coming. I mean, it might it might come tomorrow. It might come on Tuesday. But still, it's something to keep an eye on. It's some something to watch. Yeah, I mean, with Olu, I think he's healthy. I think he's good. Um, you know, that's one of those where we talked to him out at the Rose Bowl ahead uh, of the game. You know, at, at the media uh, media day, and he was saying that he's healthy. You know, he's going to be healthy for spring. He'll be all right. Uh, also, spring camp for for those big players are sometimes like, yeah, we're just let, let's put this guy in bubble wrap. Like no sense in no sense in getting them injured. So Olu would I would assume be in that camp. And Landon will have to keep an eye on, I, I guess. And uh yeah, and Hunter Norzad moving the center, like that's yeah, it, it's it's definitely something to to watch. Uh, you mentioned Juice Scruggs, and I agree with you. I think his importance to last year's team cannot be overstated. I mean he had he had such a great season, not just again from his individual standpoint, but you know, as a, as an organizer, as a guy who led the room uh, and and had a lot of moving parts. I mean, you know, it's not just Drew Shelton going out and starting as a true freshman at left tackle. You know, that's not just on him. That's also on Juice to make sure that he's all good and he's all set. You know, stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's yeah, it's going to be an interesting spring for Phil Troutwine. But the right tackle spot is what I'm really looking forward to to seeing how that uh, that early competition shakes out. Man, I think we covered a lot of ground on this episode of the Blue White Breakdown. Johnny McGonigal, Bob Flounders. Uh, practice kicks off Tuesday afternoon in State College. We got March Madness. We got the Lions basketball team in March Madness. We got spring practice. We got St. Patty's Day on a Friday, which is essentially you might as well admit it's it's a three day weekend for sure. It might be a four day weekend, Johnny. For you. I, your weekend might start Thursday. I don't know. God bless you. It's going to be a great time. Hopefully, the, I don't really care about the weather. I'm just, I just know that spring is 
right around the corner. Good luck to the uh, to the men's basketball team. I don't want to jinx them. Uh, we're probably going to have, at some point later this week, uh, some thoughts on the men's basketball team here on the Blue White Breakdown. Uh, maybe David Jones, you never know, make a surprise appearance. I think he's going to be out there in lovely Des Moines, Iowa, covering the team, hopefully. But uh, it's a big weekend, Johnny. I'm excited. As excited as I am about it, I'm sure you're even more excited. I can't wait. I, I really can't wait for Thursday. Once we get to you know, that first game at what, like twelve ten on True TV, uh, I, I just I can't wait. I think it's West Virginia Maryland is the first game. Is that the first game? Okay. Right. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. And then Penn State playing at nine fifty five. Then St. Patrick's Day the next day. We got the weekend. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be great, Bob. I can't wait. Yep. All right, guys, we'll be back later in the week. One of us, two of us, who knows who's gonna be back? But the blue white breakdown will be back later this week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>